you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, and that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And as always, we got a big show for you. We'll look back at last night's Thursday night football contest. Brent Rippon making a little bit of an impression, at least in the first half, second half, maybe uh, a little bit of a different story. We'll have our big questions for the week, plus some of our best values for daily fantasy players as we head toward the bulk of week four. We'll be joined as we always are on Fridays by our pal Michael F. Florio. But before we dive into any of that, talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, it's, it's been a while since we've had an air conditioning update, and I understand there are uh, there, there are HVAC issues over at your apartment again today. Yeah, I mean, it was fixed. Um, they actually did come in here, fix it, uh, fix the leaking issues. It was working. Feels great. Super cold in here. Um, and then uh, for those living in L.A., we know we have a little – this is a mini heat wave. Um, so it was pretty <laughs> hot yesterday. And then my uh, my complex just took it upon themselves to just, like, cut the AC power for everyone. So I was, like, sitting here yesterday in the evening, um, you know, prepping for the show. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, it's getting, it's getting kind of hot in here. And the temperature kept going up and up and inching towards 80. And I was like, here we go 
again. But luckily, as of this morning, it is it is back on, and I am I am now recording with you in comfortable conditions. That is uh, that is all we can ask for because uh, it, right. it is weird. I mean, <laughs> this is sort of life in Los Angeles that it's October second, uh, and we're still dealing with temperatures in the you know eighties or so uh, in a lot of places here, but. Such is life. So uh, we hope we hope you continue to have cool comfort. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and, and especially especially too, it's a good point. LA in October. A lot of people want to visit during the summer. It's a quick note for people who want to visit LA. Come like end of September, October, November. The best mm-hmm. months to visit. Yeah, do not come in June. That is the first thing, right. especially if you're going to go to the beach. Uh, there's June gloom. It's it's foggy. It's overcast. If you go to the beach in Los Angeles in June, you are pretty guaranteed to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. So uh, Eddie is right. Come here, uh, come here, late, mid to late September. Uh, if you can get yep. a weekend away, that's that's the best time to come. Uh, all right, we will bring in, as we always do on Fridays, our friend Michael F. Florio. And uh, uh, Florio, I know this is a, a fantasy football show, but we got baseball playoffs going on, and at least the first the first round in a lot of different places has been very interesting and very exciting. I'm sorry that your your metropolitans aren't involved, but <laughs> but at least things to be excited and interested about with the baseball playoffs. Yeah, more than half the teams made it, and the Mets still couldn't. That, that's no one's <laughs> fault but their own. Uh, your Dodgers have looked great. Clay, Clayton Kershaw proving everyone that he can pitch in the playoffs. And I stayed up the other night to watch. Unfortunately, the Yankees advance to the next round. Yeah, uh, yeah, but they, they got a tough matchup with the Rays. The Rays can, can certainly take them down. Uh, the one thing I think is really interesting is that uh, the Dodgers will have to go to Texas to play their next round, while a team from Texas, the Houston Astros, will come to Dodger Stadium play the A's in the next round. I don't understand how that happened, but that is <laughs> that is what it is. Uh, you know, I don't make the schedule. I just watch the games. That's all I, that's all I can say about that. Uh, <laughs> let's get into this first. We'll, we'll start with uh, a little bit of news. We have been following the story all week long of the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers game. We learned earlier in the week that that game has been postponed and moved to a later date. We now know what that date is going to be. So the Steelers and Titans will now play each other in week seven. The game between the Steelers and Ravens that was scheduled for week seven will be moved now to week eight, which means that Baltimore's bye, which had been in week eight, will be in week seven instead. I know this sounds confusing. There are plenty of places on the internet that has it in written form, so you can go check it out there and sort of keep up with it. But that is the, the long and short of it. As for what happens in week four, I know I've been getting a lot of questions about it, so I'll run down sort of the, the basics of it. Everybody involved in that Steelers-Titans game will now have a week four bye since the game has been rescheduled. This is the new bye weeks for Pittsburgh and Tennessee. They will not have another bye later on in the year. No players will get any special designation. I know a lot of folks have asked whether or not their Titans or Steelers players will be eligible for the COVID list uh, that has been placed on a lot of fantasy rosters. That will not be the case because uh, unless those players are specifically put On the NFL's COVID reserve list, they're not eligible for your fantasy COVID reserve spot. So uh, if you have a player with a special special designation, if they are on injured reserve or what have you, they will retain those. uh, But no Steelers or Titans, unless previously designated, will be put on the COVID list. So there it is. I know that was a whole lot of information to sort of digest. But again, uh, you can go to NFL.com. You can check Twitter. Uh, There's plenty of information out there to sort of help you break this down. And so we'll, we'll sort of see how this goes on. This is the beginning of what we expected to be a difficult and confusing season. Uh, we hope that this is the last time, but I think we're sort of bracing for the fact that this may not be the last time we have one of these situations before the end of the 2020 season. Uh, all right, other news. 
Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette have been ruled out of the Bucks Week 4 contest against the Los Angeles Chargers. Godwin is dealing with a hamstring injury. Fournette has an ankle in, uh, injury. And uh, Florio, I mean, these are guys that are going to be a big part of the Buccaneers offense. I mean, you take this out, this changes a lot of things. Who are you expecting to sort of pick up the slack this week against the Chargers? I think Mike Evans is the obvious one. Hopefully he can be used for more than just being like a goal line wide receiver specialist, which is kind of how he's been used a lot (laughs) uh, in these first three weeks. I I think he'll see a big boost in targets. I think seeing Gronk get, you know, involved in week three, that hopefully leads to more things to come for those who drafted him. And then I think Scotty Miller and Justin Watson will also – they're now in the flex range for me uh, in the fantasy football rankings this week. Now, I saw some chatter just before we started recording that maybe Keyshawn Vaughn uh, is active, that maybe he starts to get on the field and get some touches. That, that's a name that we haven't talked about since uh, probably the end of August, maybe right around Labor Day. Uh, any interest in, in plugging him in in deeper leagues, or is this just sort of a, a hands-off situation? Yeah, to me, that's a lot of speculation. It's someone that, like, the fantasy community as a whole, I think, wants to see on the field. So we're trying to, like, will it to existence. But I think he's more of a player that maybe this week you could take a speculative add on, have on your bench. There's no way I would feel comfortable enough getting him into my starting lineup, especially since the Chargers are so tough against the run. But it also comes down to how much time is Fournette going to miss because we know that once he's back, it's going to be to the same role for Keyshawn Vaughn. He's not going to play over Jones and Fournette, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I, I think that, at least in the short term, maybe this does mean a bit of a heavier workload for Ronald Jones. The hard part with the Buccaneers running backs is that it's going to be sort of a moving target all year. You know, it was a couple of weeks ago, Jones had the fumble, and then we ended up seeing a lot of Fournette. Last week, it was less Fournette, more Jones. So I, I get the feeling it's going to be hard to sort of pin down how each guy is going to perform or what their workload is going to be on a week-to-week basis. But I do think that with no Leonard Fournette, it means more touches for Ronald Jones. But as you pointed out, that Charger run defense is not something to be taken lightly. So it may not still be the best matchup. But understanding that, you know, especially in seasonal leagues, depending on what your options are, you may be in a situation where you put Jones in as an RB2 as a flex, just understand that the returns may not be great. Uh, and as for the past situation, uh, I agree. Mike Evans hopefully sees more downfield targets, and he is not the you know receiving equivalent of Jerome Bettis uh, getting his two catches <laughs> for two yards and two touchdowns. It, you know, it's funny because the, the fantasy numbers are fine, right? And you're talking about getting, what, 14, 14 or so points out of him. But uh, this – I always like to say they don't ask how, they ask how many. But in this situation, I do feel like the how is sort of important. Um, I mean, he is going to get more than two targets or two catches this week, right, with no Chris Godwin? I, I would imagine so. Like, when you made the, the Jerome Bettis comp, what I had in my head was, like, the Spider-Man gif of, like, him, of Evans and Jordan Howard, like, pointing at one <laughs> another. Because, like, that's kind of – he's, like, the Jordan Howard of wide receivers right now. And I, I don't get it because – He's also one of the best downfield threats in the NFL. So hopefully that it, it takes Chris Godwin getting hurt for them to realize, hey, we could throw the ball downfield to Mike Evans. I, I'm expecting more out of him this week, especially if the 
if the Bucks struggle to establish the run because the Chargers' defense against the run has been really, really good this year. I completely agree. All right, let's move to the New Orleans Saints staying in the same division. Alvin Kamara telling people that the Saints will get back on track and everybody will shut up. Uh, there has certainly been a lot of talk about this Saints offense. Uh, certainly not about Kamara. I mean, he's been great through the first three weeks of the season, uh, after, especially after last year, not having a lot of touchdowns, but he has certainly made up for that. Now, our own Cynthia Freeland, who is an analytics whiz, uh, she wrote this week on NFL.com that rumors of Breeze's demise have been greatly exaggerated, basically making the point that Drew Brees has never been a big-time air yards guy, at least not over the last several years. That's the way the Saints offense has operated. It has been kind of short air yards throws to Michael Thomas. He picks up yards after the catch. Alvin Kamara does what you're seeing on the screen there, taking a short pass and going down the field, making big plays out of it. So maybe uh, we shouldn't freak out. I mean, is that is that the case, Florio? Have we overreacted to the Saints struggling early this season? I think a little bit because it's hard to judge – this offense when you take away Michael Thomas, right? Like, would we be judging Kyler Murray on how he's playing without DeAndre Hopkins or, you know, like, like Michael Thomas is, I know people on Twitter sometimes like to say he's overrated. He is still one of the absolute best wide receivers in football. So you take him out of that offense. I think it's understandable that they will struggle. My only cause for concern is everything like, like Drew Brees is not a big air yards quarterback, but normally he's sitting around seven air yards per target. This year it's down to five. So that is a noticeable decrease. And, and my one argument for Kamara is maybe don't root for it to get back on track. Cause right now your role <laughs> in this offense is infinite targets. And that's awesome for fantasy. It's absolutely awesome for fantasy. So yeah, maybe, maybe we want it to sort of stay the way it is. I, look, Michael Thomas has a good chance to come back and play this week. We'll see if that if that actually happens, in which case the passing game pretty much funnels through he and Alvin Kamara for the most part. I think you you can kind of fade, uh, certainly fade Emmanuel Sanders. You can fade Traquan Smith. We'll see how that works. The other thing about Drew Brees that worries me is he's thrown a couple of interceptions that are just sort of head scratchers that, that we have not seen from him in the past. I mean, I'm thinking about the one against the Raiders on Monday night where it was like he just didn't see a linebacker in the middle of the field and threw the ball right to him. Maybe it was just a hiccup. Maybe it was just kind of a, a bad play. But you combine that with the lower air yards total – and it does make me a little bit concerned about Drew Brees. I don't have him anywhere, but uh, I just hope that if if this is a, a decline, that it doesn't impact what we're seeing from some of those other pass catchers. If you have a Michael Thomas, if you have a Jared Cook, uh, if you have Alvin Kamara, I think you're going to be fine. Uh, I think they're going to get him the football <laughs> and he's going to score touchdowns and he'll be just fine. It's some of those other guys downfield a little further that maybe you're worried about. All right, maybe, maybe Go ahead. I was say maybe it's unfair, but I always when a quarterback gets this old, I always think of the fall off that Peyton Manning had and that it just kind of happened overnight. So I'm I am if I have Drew Brees right now, I'm like you, Marcus. I, I didn't really draft him. But if I have him, I'm a little bit concerned at the very least. Quarterbacks generally don't go through a gradual decline. They tend to just fall off a cliff. And especially I think when you get guys who are certainly later in their careers or I don't want to say old because Drew Brees is younger than me, but guys who are of an advanced <laughs> of an advanced football age, uh, it just tends to sort of fall apart for them all all in a hurry. Uh, so James, we'll James, <laughs> I want Jameis because it'll be fun. It will just be fun. It would be so much fun. 
so much fun. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has said uh, a couple times this year that maybe his role in his production won't be what people expect of it or what it was when he was with the New York Giants. He came out earlier this week and said the goal in the Browns offense is to make Nick Chubb the number one rusher in the NFL. That's great if you have Nick Chubb. It actually works pretty well if you've got Kareem Hunt because the Browns seem to be running the football pretty effectively. But does this mean, Florio, that it is maybe time to sort of fade Beckham a little bit in this offense? Uh, it's painful to say. Like, I don't think you can value Odell as a wide receiver one anymore in this offense. I, I just don't see it. I think most weeks for me, he's going to come in in that wide receiver two range because I do think his upside is, especially in a week like this week against Dallas, where I'm expect it's a good matchup on paper for the wide receivers one and then two. I expect them to have to put up more points than they've had to the last two weeks, which I'm hopeful means that Baker will throw the ball more than 23 times because the last two weeks he's thrown it exactly 23 times in each game. So I think a week like this week where you could expect maybe a little bit more volume is a good week to play him. Uh, but I think on a week-to-week basis, yeah, you, you're not going to get a wide receiver one, and you may not get a wide receiver two some weeks if the Browns can play like they have the last two weeks and just rely on both of those running backs. I had a tough time sort of pegging Odell during fantasy draft season. I didn't really know where to slot him because on the one hand, you know how talented he is and what his potential ceiling could be. But I also wasn't sure of how the offense was going to utilize him, knowing Kevin Stefanski was there, knowing that Stefanski generally likes to run the football and that they have a couple of really good running backs. So I, I just never quite figured out where to peg OBJ. For that reason, I don't think I drafted him in a whole lot of spots. So I, I do think now that we're three weeks in, we have a better idea of what to expect. And maybe it is more in the wide receiver two range just because, again, not because of any ability decline, but just because of the scheme and the fit there that, uh, you know, Odell is not going to be the guy that we used to see well, when he was uh, you know doing big things with the Giants and with Eli Manning and that offense there in New York. So always great to readjust. Always great to sort of rethink some things. And, and I think we're now rethinking what we're thinking uh, about OBJ. By the way, uh, if you guys want more great news and notes, be sure to check us out on NFL Fantasy Game Day on Sunday mornings. We get that show going at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's myself, Florio, Adam Rank, Kimmy Checks, all going through the starts and sits, the guys who are in, the guys who are out, and maybe some sleepers for the week as well. You can find that in the NFL Fantasy app on NFL.com uh, and on YouTube as well at the YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. Plus, Florio is there answering your questions live uh, during the show. So if you have any last-minute injury questions, start sit questions, uh, hit him up, and he will get to as many of them as he possibly can before we pull him away uh, and put his pretty face on television or the internet <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> speaking of television, we did have Thursday Night Football on our television sets last night, and it was a game that on paper people sort of poo-pooed. I mean, it didn't look great. It was Broncos at Jets. Neither team had a win to that point in the season. But at least the fourth quarter of it turned out to be sort of fun. Uh, it was a high-scoring game. The Broncos ended up getting the win, 37-28. Uh, so we'll go through some of the top scores on the Denver side of the ledger. Melvin Gordon had a big night, 107 rushing yards and a pair of touchdowns. My trash uh, guillotine league team, which is just barely missing the cut each and every week. <laughs> Thanks you for that infusion. You might have helped me stave off elimination for another week, so that was cool. Uh, Tim Patrick uh, had a big night. Well, actually, let's, let's look at Melvin Gordon, right? Because Melvin Gordon had the big game. Um, 
let, let's just talk about this, Florio. What do we make of Gordon's night? Can he keep this going, or you know, is this just a function of no Philip Lindsay being there? I think it's last night was kind of the perfect storm for Gordon. They were down to what their third string quarterback. They they did not have Philip Lindsay. The Jets defense is missing a ton of pieces. They it was just it's a good matchup on paper for him. I I, I don't expect this every week out of Melvin Gordon. I think we saw kind of uh, the last two weeks the peaks and valleys of Gordon, and I kind of expect him to be that kind of player all year this year. Like have some big games like this, and then have some other games where. You're just left wanting more production out of him. Yeah, I, I, I started him because I felt like you know, this is a, this was an opportunity, as you mentioned. This was the perfect storm because they were going to have to lean on him, and I think he, I feel like he touched the ball on the first like five or six plays for the Broncos. It was like you know a couple of handoffs, a couple of short passes, uh, and they really tried to work him in. I think they were just trying to get their quarterback comfortable and before they started to let him go downfield. Speaking of that, Tim Patrick. Ended up having a huge day for the Broncos. Six catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. If you started him somewhere, and I'm sure that number is very, very small of people who started Tim Patrick this week, congratulations to you because you got about 23 fantasy points out of it. But what we saw out of Brett Rippon was a guy who was certainly willing to be aggressive. He threw the ball downfield. He threw it into tight windows. I mean, the touchdown that he threw to Tim Patrick was an absolute dart, like right through traffic, got it right into his hands. He threw a couple of nice balls that he dropped in the bucket. So for our selfish fantasy purposes, I mean, I don't think anybody's starting Brett Rippon, but does he make us feel better about the Broncos pass catchers from a fantasy perspective? I think so. Like anytime you have a quarterback who's willing to air it out and give his receivers like that Jerry Judy catch right there, like it's not a perfect throw by any stretch, but he's giving Jerry Judy an opportunity there to make a play. And Judy comes down with the ball and ends up scoring a touchdown. And to me, my favorite sequence from him last night happened. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. He threw a pretty nice deep ball to Deshaun Hamilton. Hamilton just didn't come down with it. I thought he tried to lay out more. He could have. And then the very next play, he goes deep to Tim Patrick again for a 30-something yard completion. So he clearly showed that he's not afraid to throw the ball downfield. And to me, I love that for fantasy because then you don't have to rely on your guy catching those six, seven balls and racking up yards because two long catches could be a really nice fantasy day. He he was very aggressive. You got to love to see that. It was where they put in Jeff Driscoll for like a couple of running plays. I think he like scrambled on one and like took a wicked shot too. And I'm like, that... That didn't seem particularly prudent, but you know, who am I? I just write about fake football for a living. Uh, by the way, Brandon <laughs> McManus had a pretty good game as well. It was an interesting kicker night because McManus had 17 points. Sam Thicken for the Jets had 18 points. I know there's the whole chorus of banned kickers out there, but hey, if you decided to go with kickers in your DraftKings lineup this week, then you felt pretty good about it because those guys had pretty good games. Let's flip it over to the Jets side while we're sitting here talking about Sam Thicken. And Sam Darnold... He was the high scorer for the Jets. I, I don't know what to make of the game, right? He had 230 passing yards, did not throw a touchdown, but he had 84 rushing yards and a pretty spectacular 47-yard touchdown run to start the game. I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, Jamison Crowder ended up with a good night, seven for a buck, oh, four. I mean, we're not starting Sam Darnold, right? I mean, we're, we're agreed on that, right? Sam Darnold is not a fantasy-relevant quarterback right now. I, I don't think so. Not as long as Adam Gase is calling his plays. Although, I, Marcus, I did not know that Sam Darnold, like, I know he can run. I did not know he had wheels like that. 
And <laughs> I wish that they were just like, hey, start running it more because then I think he maybe could become fantasy relevant. But right now, no. I, I can't buy it either. And look, I, I I make no bones about my love for, for USC Trojans on this show. I want good things for him. But you're right. As long as Adam Gaze is still running that offense, it's hard to believe that, that anything will let Sam Darnold prosper in any sort of real way. But Jamison Crowder. A wheel route to Frank, to Frank Gore. Gore. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe that. On third down, too. Uh, I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand. And I know this isn't part of it. We're kind of getting off track here, but I don't understand. And I love Frank Gore, right? I mean, he is literally going to live forever. But you've got a young guy back there in LaMichael P. Ryan. You're not going anywhere. I mean, you, you have looked awful. At what point do you just put P. Ryan back there and, and see what he can do? Just let him do his thing. I don't understand it. I, I, I can't. I, I have no words for it. Um, <laughs> Let's just go on. To, let's move on to Jamison Crowder. Uh, seven <laughs> catches for 104 yards. It does seem like Darnold tends to get tunnel vision for certain guys. Last week, that guy was Braxton Berrios because Crowder wasn't available. This week, Jamison Crowder was back to doing his thing. Is there any? Are there any skill position players on this offense that we can trust? Not named Jamison Crowder, or or is this it? I, right now, I think it is just Jamison Crowder. Unless Crowder misses time, then I actually do think it is uh, Berrios because both of those guys are slot receivers, and Sam Darnold this year is throwing to the slot more than basically any quarterback. Like, he throws 40% of his throws about that go to the slot, and we've seen it each game, right? Like, week one, it was it was Jamison Crowder having the big game, then last week it was Berrios, and then this week it's back to Crowder. So I think whoever is the Jets' slot receiver – is the, until Le'Veon Bell returns, which he may return next week, then it's Bell and Crowder, and that's about it. That is about it. Uh, we were—I won't say we were fully never Jets, but we're you know mostly never <laughs> Jets when it comes to fantasy on this show. But if you did play them in DraftKings, there were a couple of options out there that got you some big points on Thursday night. Speaking of which, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now, use code TEAM during sign-up, and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, we are going headlong into the meat of week four coming up this Sunday, and there are plenty of questions to answer, or at least try to answer as we get to the fourth Sunday of the 2020 NFL season. So let's just dive into them. First off, let's look at this Philadelphia offense. The One of the big stories around this offense this week has been they just don't have any wide receivers. I, I mean, there have been multiple practices this week in which Greg Ward is not only the number one receiver, he is the receiver. He has been the guy working at that position in the offense. Dallas Goddard is hurt. There's just so many pieces missing. I know it, you know, look, that means maybe they lean on Zach Ertz, maybe they lean on Miles Sanders, but let's talk about Miles Sanders. I mean, if if the Eagles have to be so one-dimensional, can we trust Miles Sanders against this 49ers offense, knowing the Eagles just can't throw the football? I, I still would right now. I know the 49ers defense on paper looks super tough against running backs. I do think it is worth pointing out that they played the Jets without Le'Veon Bell and the Giants without Saquon Barkley. So that is going to impact those numbers. And I'm not taking anything away from the Niners defense. We know how good they can be. But Miles Sanders is still is finally seeing big-time touches each week. And, and they're getting him more involved in the passing game still. So I think you can trust him. Like, I still have him as an RB1 right now because 
someone has to be effective, right? Get the touches <laughs> in Philly. And I don't think it's going to happen, but we are hearing some whispers of Jalen Hurts. And he rushed for 1,300 yards and 20 touchdowns in in college last year. So just hit a backfield with him and Sanders being a running threat out of that. That has me excited, too, if we ever get to see that. There have always been those whispers since he was drafted of the Eagles sort of remaking Jalen Hurts in Taysom Hill's image. Maybe this is the start of that because they they need some help from somewhere. The, the word I've been hearing out of Philadelphia has just been that they want to get Miles Sanders touches, that, that if everything goes the way they want it to, that Sanders could be one of the NFL leaders in touches. I don't know that it's quite worked out that way the first three weeks. I mean, Sanders wasn't completely healthy at the start of the season. The offense has been just sort of a mess. But maybe this is the start of that. Maybe they are starting to get him the football a little bit more. And so I would tend to agree with you that I think they're going to try to feed him and load him up with touches. Uh, I would think that also they have the benefit of the Niners that are still are not completely healthy on both sides of the football. So maybe this game stays within a score for most of the day, which means that, that Sanders doesn't necessarily get too impacted by game script. But, man, it just gets hard, harder and harder and harder to sort of believe in this Eagles offense, in part because Carson Wentz has played badly, in part because they just can't keep people healthy. So we'll see what happens. I'm still riding on the Miles Sanders train. I know I got on it a little bit late, but I'm here. And so don't make me regret this decision. Please, that's all I'm asking. Uh, speaking of trains, I was driving the Kenyon Drake train all offseason, just shoveling coal into that engine like crazy. It has moved a lot slower than I thought it would. But this week, he's got the Carolina Panthers. He's been tweeting to people about how he's going to step it up, about how you know fantasy managers basically shouldn't give up on him. But, Florio, if it doesn't happen against the Panthers, what do we do then? I think then we start to really worry. Marcus, you were driving that train, but I, I was <laughs> on it with you as well. I liked Kenyon Drake coming into the year. And if I like if I told people who drafted Kenyon Drake in the first round, hey, this guy's gonna have 18 touches in each of the first three weeks, you think you'd feel pretty good heading into week four, but he's getting the touches. It just the the targets are going to Chase Edmonds right now, and Kyler Murray is vulturing all of those touchdowns away from him. So to me, if that happens this week, then you really got to be fearful because the biggest weakness for the Panthers is against the run, especially allowing touchdowns to running backs. They allowed by far the most in 2019. They've already allowed seven through three weeks this year. And with DeAndre Hopkins looking like he could legitimately be in question this week, I'm expecting them to rely more on Kenyon Drake. But if they still go out there and let Kyler Murray run a lot and continue to steal those touchdowns away and he can't have a good day against this matchup, then I would be really start to worry. Yeah, I think that, that this is the week maybe things turn around. I mean, the Panthers are coming up this week. They've got some, some easier matchups coming over the next few weeks. So I feel like this potentially is the start of something good for, for Kenyon Drake. There was a reason we all believed in him. The usage rates have been about what we expected them to be. It's just that the production hasn't happened. So Maybe you know, in a basketball parlance or even at a baseball tur baseball parlance, you just you want that easy one, right? You want that easy layup. You want that you know that bloop single to fall in, and then you feel better, and then you start performing. So maybe this is sort of that that easy layup that for 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 Kenyon Drake, and then he can start to really uh, produce the way we we hope that he would. Because if it doesn't happen this week, then I think we start to really get concerned about what his production is going to be throughout the year. 
We could say the same thing about Joe Mixon. He's getting plenty of touches. His production has not been great. Uh, they're using Gio Bernard as sort of the third down pass catching back. They've even used Gio down near the goal line to run for a touchdown. So if it doesn't happen for Joe Mixon this week against the Jaguars, what are we doing with that? I think you really, like, you have to worry. I, I'm already having concerns that this guy is really an RB1. I think we, going forward, kind of have to consider moving him down and putting him as an RB2 each weekend. And that's where I have him ranked as this week, even though it's a good matchup. Gio Bernard tends to play about 40% of the snaps each week. He's the back that's out there in the two-minute drills and, and in the passing down scenarios. Like, uh, it was great a couple weeks ago. Joe Mixon had four targets in the first half and then didn't have any other the rest of the game in a game that they were trailing. So it, it's just Gio Bernard isn't fantasy relevant, but he does – he is in the sense in the way that he hurts Joe Mixon. And this is a good matchup in a game that you hope that the Bengals could be playing with the lead. But if he can't get it done again this week, I think you really need to start to look at, at Joe Mixon as more of an RB2, especially, Marcus, the goal line struggles that he has had this year. Like, I feel like every time they get near the goal line, they give it to Mixon and he just gets stuffed. The thing that worries me the most about Joe Mixon, or is frustrating, I guess I should say, about Joe Mixon is – the usage rates, the number of touches he's getting, makes it hard to just give up on him, right? You're not going to put him out on the waiver wire. Uh, but his production means it's hard to start him consistently and expect good things. I mean, you're right. He's maybe an RB2. Maybe he's a flex because the production doesn't warrant him being an RB1. Also, though, you can't really trade him because nobody's going to look at what he's done <laughs> this year and say, I got to get that guy on my team you really are sitting there with him as kind of an anchor right now on your roster. And there aren't a lot of easy answers about what to do about Joe Mixon. You just hope that things turn around this week against the Jaguars. Maybe it's a situation similar to last year. Because remember last year at the start of the year, Joe Mixon was not great. And we were sort of having these same conversations after the first month or so of the season. And then in the back half of the year, things got better. In the last you know seven or eight games, Joe Mixon really picked things up and started to look like the RB1. And I think that is a lot of what fed into the belief that he could have a big season this year. So far through three weeks, it hasn't happened. So through three weeks, Ryan Fitzpatrick has kind of been a thing. I mean, last week we talked about whether or not Fitz's game against the Jaguars was delaying the arrival of Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, we know that, that Fitzmagic is going to start this week against the Seahawks. So... If you have, say, Ryan Tannehill or you have Ben Roethlisberger and we know they're not playing this week, is it crazy to consider streaming fits against that Seahawks defense? No, I don't think it is at all. In fact, I actually had Fitzpatrick ranked ahead of both of those quarterbacks before we knew that they weren't going to be playing this week. I have Ryan Fitzpatrick as my QB12 this week. I mean, what could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> um, but... I do think it, he is very much so in play this week. Like, he scored 24 or more fantasy points the last two weeks, and there's no team allowing anything close to what the Seahawks are allowing right now through the air. They're allowing over 400 passing yards per game on average. Quarterbacks are just going off against them. Every quarterback that's played them has scored at least 23 fantasy points and finished as a QB1. They're the only team in the league this year to allow a QB1 each of the first three weeks. So I just – I think right now, like – Quarterback, I know you didn't expect to be using Ryan Fitzpatrick in week four, but I think there is a lot of, of reason to get excited for him in this game. I completely agree. 
this is one of those situations, right, where you look at what's happened the first three weeks. You, you look at the way the Seahawks defense has played and your brain makes the point to you that it does make sense to play Ryan Fitzpatrick. But your statement of what could go wrong sort of speaks to, I think, how we all feel in our hearts and in our guts. Uh, it, it, is, it is akin to me last week tweeting about Minshew and all the Minshew hype and how things are going to go sideways, right? And then they did on TNF. And I think in deep down in all of our souls, while we know that statistically and analytically it makes sense to stream Ryan Fitzpatrick, that you know this could easily be the game that he blows up and throws like five picks and just completely goes, uh, you know, Fitz Magic is the good guy. We don't need, we don't have a an evil twin version nickname of him. We need to come up with one, but that guy potentially could show up this week. Anyway, that's a long way of me saying you should probably stream Ryan Fitzpatrick this week against the Seahawks <laughs> because the matchup is great, and especially if you are missing a quarterback or you're struggling at the quarterback position, you could do worse in terms of a streaming option. Uh, but, you know, if, if something goes halfway wrong, you know, we'll all look back and we'll, we'll kind of say, yeah, this was certainly in the range of outcomes. But, uh, you know, hey, at least at least you have a logical reason for why you did what you did. And to me, if you can tell yourself in good faith a story for why you made a move, then it was the right move in your heart. And then on the field, things just didn't work out. And at that point, it, it's just out of your hands. Speaking of out of our hands, the Cowboys wide receivers have been sort of an interesting roulette wheel this season. We've had Amari Cooper games. CeeDee Lamb has played pretty well throughout the season. Last week, it was a combination of Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup. So this week, the Cowboys have the Cleveland Browns. When we spin the wheel of Cowboys receivers, where does it land for you? Uh, I'm going to say this with almost zero confidence. I think this week is a good week for Amari Cooper. Like, I have him ranked high. The Browns, the weakness for them has been through the, the, the passing game, and they've allowed the six most fantasy points per game to wide receivers this year. And it just feels like out of, while the wheel does spin every week between these Cowboys wide receivers, it does feel like Amari Cooper each week is still getting the targets and, and is still seeing uh, the most consistent volume of that bunch. After him, though, I think it's a C.D. Lamb week. The Browns' weakness has been through the slot, and, and we know that that was what the Seahawks' weakness has been, too. It didn't really work out for Lamb last week. He still did show his safe floor with 11 fantasy points, but I don't expect Cedric Wilson to steal those two long touchdowns again. At least I'm hopeful. So I think it's a Cooper and Lamb week this week. I feel like the Cedric Wilson thing, it was a nice flash that no one saw coming, but I don't think it's sustainable simply because he's just not on the field that much. Uh, he's not running that many routes, so it just the opportunity is less for Wilson. I'm with you on the fact that I think this is a C.D. Lamb week, mostly because the Browns have struggled so much against slot receivers. That is where Lamb is pretty much doing most of his work. I think it's something like 87% of snaps and about three-quarters of his targets have come from the slot this year. So I think that that is going to be uh, where he continues to operate and where his opportunities are going to be. So he's the guy that I think is going to happen. I also just have this feeling that, they're going to try to get him in the end zone this week, right? We're, we're in the week four. I hope. C.D. Lamb has not scored his first NFL touchdown. So I, I just have this feeling that maybe they really concentrate on trying to get C.D. Lamb his first NFL touchdown to sort of break the seal there and really get him on the board. So that's why I'm going with Lamb. But I do feel like if you have any one of those three main receivers, uh, whether it's Cooper, Lamb, or Gallup, I think you're in a good place to start them this week against the Browns. That's, yeah, take that for what you will. I had them all in my top 30. There you go. 
So take that for what you will. You know, we, we'll see what happens when it comes to game time on Sunday, but I think you're in a good position to start any one of those guys. It's time for Best Value presented by DraftKings. We go through a lineup and try to figure out the guys who could give you the most bang for your DFS buck in week four. Starting at the quarterback position, I mean, we talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick as a streaming option, and so it uh, makes plenty of sense, Florio, that that is where you decide to go this week. Yeah, at only 5,400, I think he's a really good value. Like we were talking about earlier, the Seahawks allow the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks, the most passing yards per game to the position. And Ryan Fitzpatrick can potentially pick up some points with his legs. We saw him score a rushing touchdown last week. I think this is a game where he's going to have to throw a lot if they're chasing points, trying to keep up with Russell Wilson in that offense. So I think he has a sky-high upside this week, and I like him a lot as a value. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford this week. And I think it's because, look, the Lions haven't really figured out how to run the football effectively. I, I know Adrian Peterson has been, I think, better than anticipated. But I still don't think they can survive on feeding him the football and letting him do his thing. This is not, you know, this is not 2010, 2011, where he was that dude. The Saints also really struggled against Derek Carr. I mean, they got carved up by the Raiders on Monday night not that long ago. So I think Matthew Stafford has a chance to go out there, spread the ball around, whether it's you know, Galladay, Jones, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and maybe do some things this week. Uh, at running back, we seem to have settled on a Rams running back, at least for the short term, right? I think so. Like, Daryl Henderson has gone out and put up 120 yards and a touchdown in the last two games, 19 fantasy points or more in both of them. And his price is still only 5,800. I feel like if this was Cam Akers having this kind of success, we'd be talking about him a lot more because that's who everyone was excited about coming into the year. But Henderson is getting the job done. I don't – I mean, the Rams are running the ball more than any team in the NFL right now this year. And they're playing the Giants who – I mean, let's just face it. They're having a rough go right now. This could be a game that – the Rams are playing with the multiple score lead throughout, which means we could see a lot of Henderson running the ball in that second half. So I think he has a really, really high ceiling this week. It's funny because this is the Daryl Henderson that everyone was predicting last year. He was the reason that Todd Gurley was getting bumped down draft boards and everybody was sort of talking up Daryl Henderson and it didn't happen. And so it's like, it's almost because well, it didn't happen last year. So everybody's like, well, that's it. It's done. You had one chance and it's over. And we've moved on to Cam Akers. But Daryl Henderson is, is flashing pretty well right now. Uh, so I talked about Kenyon Drake. And I'm going to put my fake money where my mouth is and say that this is the week that Kenyon Drake gets it going against the against the Carolina Panthers. I do feel like you know, his, his DraftKings salary down to 6000 I feel like it kind of got bumped down because we haven't seen much from Kenyon Drake so far this season. So maybe that works to your benefit if you're putting together a lineup. You're going to get a guy that potentially gets a lot of touches against a bad run defense, and it'll allow you to fit some other, maybe more higher salary guys elsewhere in your lineup. Again, if it doesn't happen for Kenyon Drake this week, then I think we start to press the panic button, but this is an opportunity maybe to take advantage of a guy at sort of a depressed salary. Uh, over to wide receiver. You, we talked about you going with Ryan Fitzpatrick, so you, yeah, you're going with a stack here to try to double up, huh? Yeah, I think I would definitely be trying to get Ryan Fitzpatrick, number one wide receiver, Devontae Parker, in my lineup if I'm using Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. I keep talking about how the Seahawks have just been carved up through the air this year. They're allowing over 78 fantasy points per game to the wide receiver position this year. No other team is even allowing 50. So it just shows you how great of a matchup 
Seattle has been this year for wide receivers. Parker continues to be the top pass-catching option for, for Fitzpatrick and this Dolphins defense. And if you had concerns about his hamstring, I think it is helpful that they played last week on Thursday so he gets, you know, an extra three days to recover. Yeah, I think I think I like Parker this week. I like the Preston Williams as a deep sleeper. I think in one lineup I put together, I even went with the double stack of Fitzpatrick with Parker and Mike Gasicki, just because. Look, man, the Seahawks secondary it, it is no longer the Legion of Boom. It's more much more like the Legion of Whom. So I think it's a chance for you to sort of kind of play on that a little bit uh, for what should be a relatively decent salary. I, at my wide receiver spot, I'm going with a ceiling play here, and that's Brandon Cooks. I know it's been hard to sort of peg the Texans wide receivers through the first couple of weeks. Will Fuller had that big game in the opener against Kansas City. Since then, it has been sort of hard to pinpoint. But we know Brandon Cooks is a guy that will give you a potentially high ceiling on any given week. I know he's been sort of battling through that quad issue, but he has been able to get out on the field and play. The Vikings secondary has been very vulnerable through the first three weeks of the season. We have seen teams really have some big games against them through the air. So I'm going to take the chance, uh, especially with the, the salary that Cooks is drawing this week, to, to get him in the lineup and see if maybe I can pad in some other places. Over to tight ends. I, I keep saying it. The, the Jimmy Graham jokes are done. Like yeah, At this point, we got to start to buy in, and I'm surprised that the DraftKings salary has not yet caught up for him. Yeah, after week one, Marcus, remember, we both said he was a mirage, and he's <laughs> looking very real right now. Uh, he leads this team in, in red zone targets. He has three touchdowns through the first three weeks already. And last week when Nick Foles came in, he threw to Jimmy Graham more than anyone, seven times. So I, I know on paper the Colts matchup looks tough against tight ends. They're allowing the second fewest points to the position but they have played a Jets and Giants defense who I mean offense who aren't really the best right now so I do think that the matchup may be a little bit more friendly than it looks like on paper and there's just opportunity there right now with Jimmy Graham yeah I look the the targets have to go somewhere and the best part is when Nick Foles came in the target share didn't diminish in fact it might have even gone up with Nick Foles versus Mitch Trubisky I'm gonna go Dalton Schultz as my value tight end this week and we talked about the Cowboys wide receivers look the you can't cover all of them right the Browns have to figure out where they're going to focus their attention whether it is going to be on Cooper or Lamb or Gallup or what have you so that means that there could be some things open for Dalton Schultz, on top of it, tight ends so far this season have eaten the Browns alive. I mean, I, I know some of it a couple weeks ago we talked about, uh, you know, the Bengals and, and having to, to sort of like fill in after C.J. Uzama went down. Uh, some of that was sort of game script related. But uh, Dalton Schultz has shown that he's a part of the game plan there in Dallas, and he could have some opportunities against the Browns this week. Finally, defensively. Yeah, I felt like, uh, Florio, there just weren't a lot of great matchups in terms of values or whatever defensively. It seems like we're just sort of trying to make the best of what we have out in front of us this week. Yeah, I went with the Rams, who I believe are the second most expensive defense on DraftKings this week, but I think they're a good value. The the Giants, we they're coming into the week where second fewest points per game scored this year at just about 13 per game, and then they're in the top three in giveaways per game right now. Plus, I experienced firsthand as a Bills fan the wrath of Aaron Donald <laughs> last week. Good luck stopping that guy. I think the Rams defense could put up a lot of points this week. 
I would agree with that uh, as well. I'm going to go with the 49ers. And again, it's a defense that you're probably going to have to pay up for a little bit. And maybe this group isn't quite as fearsome as they would be if they were completely healthy. But this is still a pretty good defense, as we have seen. And we talked earlier about the Eagles still trying to find themselves offensively, still dealing with a ton of injuries, not having a whole lot of depth at wide receiver. So I'm willing to take the shot on the 49ers, especially when you factor in that Carson Wentz has thrown two interceptions in each game he has played this season. The offensive line is struggling to protect him. Uh, I'm willing to sort of spend a little bit more here defensively and get a defense I think can can put together some plays. So there you go. One person's fight is never just one person's fight. It takes all of us to fight cancer. Join the NFL and the American Cancer Society in the fight today by talking to your doctor or reminding a loved one about getting screened. Visit NFL.com slash Crucial Catch to learn more. It is time for Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. Every week we open a pack of cards. We pick out the three best players we can find in there, and uh, we talk about what we expect from them in week four. So here we go. Uh, digging through this week, and our first one it is Aaron Rodgers. Now, I will tell you that uh, a couple of days ago, Aaron Rodgers against the Atlanta Falcons. It just seemed like it was going to be unfair, but here we are on Friday. Alan Lazard, we know, is out indefinitely after having core muscle surgery. Devontae Adams is still dealing with a hamstring. We're waiting for further word on him. So, I mean, what are we feeling about Aaron Rodgers now, knowing that he's going to go into this potentially down a couple of weapons? I still have him as my QB eight this week. For me, the quarterback position, the, the top six guys, you could put them in any order you want, but they are there. And then I have Deshaun Watson ahead of him because I still think Watson, you know, his upside is as high as it comes. But Rodgers, kudos to Aaron Rank. He's been I faded Rodgers heading into the year, and Rank's been calling the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour since before it got started. But that's what this season looks like. Like Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder and something to prove this is a fantastic matchup against a Falcons secondary that has allowed the second most passing yards to quarterbacks this year. So I think Rodgers, yeah, it stinks that he may be without his two top weapons. Hopefully Devontae Adams plays, but I still think you get him in your lineup. The Aaron Petty party, as I've been calling it, has been pretty solid this year. (laughs) Both both Aarons, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers obviously going out and doing big things after people sort of faded him this year. But even Aaron Jones. I mean, there was so much chatter about the Packers going out and drafting A.J. Dillon and all of us saying there's no way Aaron Jones can duplicate what he did last year with the 19 touchdowns. Uh, And both those guys have gone out and smashed through the first three weeks. (laughs) So maybe – look – we we need this is this is where we get the Michael Jordan last dance meme of uh, and then I took it personally like that I feel like applies to both Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones this year because they seem to have taken it personally and fantasy managers are reaping the rewards of that. Speaking of running backs, our next one up, Josh Jacobs, who has had sort of an up and down fantasy season to start the year this week. A tough matchup against the Buffalo Bills. What is your level of confidence for Jacobs against your beloved Bills? I have Jacobs a little bit lower than normal because the, the, the matchup isn't the best. And also, we saw him last week plagued a little bit by that injury. It hurt his numbers. But I still have him as a top 12 running back because the the Raiders right now, their receiving depth is really being tested. And we know the strength of the Bills defense is that secondary. So I think that at least early on, the, the Raiders are really going to be trying to feed Josh Jacobs the ball a lot. And 
we know the the potential that he has seeing that many touches he could break one long he he's always a threat to find the end zone so i still have him as a top 12 running back this week my fear is that game script in the second half maybe turns against him and i say that based on how the bills have been scoring points the fact that they are spreading the field they're throwing the football so much and they're really being aggressive early in games the raiders secondary can have issues sometimes if they start giving up big plays if they start giving up a lot of points do they go away from Jacobs and do we see more of the passing game? But early on, I do agree that they may try to establish the run. And so hopefully he can get something going early, stay in the game and get his production there. And if the Raiders can keep it close, then I do feel okay about Josh Jacobs over the course of four quarters. Uh, all right. Our third one is Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver, Mike Evans. And we talked about Evans a little bit earlier in the show. Chris Godwin has been ruled out. Uh, Leonard Fournette has been ruled out. We're hoping that we get a little bit more than a Jordan Howardish type performance. It's you know what uh, Adam Rank and I coined the term seven point one. Uh, that you know it, you had Hayden Hurst last <laughs> week who got you one catch for one yard and one touchdown in PPR leagues. That's seven point one points. Mike Evans was kind of a seven point one guy two times over last week. Uh, he's, he's going to be more than that this week, right? I would hope so. Like, it's been kind of annoying as someone who's been very was very vocal in the draft season, like fading Mike Evans because a lot of what I was worried about, like them not like Brady not being a down the field type thrower anymore, and and Evans kind of not seeing at the type of volume that he had, especially air yards with Jameis Winston. That's all come to fruition, but these one yard touchdowns have kept him fantasy relevant. I'm expecting more this week. I typically have had him in that like wide receiver 10 through 15 range each week but this week he is a wide receiver one for me with no Chris Godwin I'm sort of with you on that my fear about Mike Evans was that he would get targets sure and, and he would get some catches but that it wouldn't be a lot of downfield throws I also felt like he wasn't going to be kind of a red zone goal line target it has sort of been somewhere in between he's getting catches he's not getting a lot of downfield throws but the throws he's getting seem to be near the goal line so I don't really know what to make of it it's good for fantasy I don't know if it's actually good but here we are so I think this week with with no Chris Godwin that it does mean some better things for Mike Evans maybe he has a more complete game and he looks like the Mike Evans we have come to know over the first few years of his career Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, the NFL, NFL Players Association, and Players Coalition together launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities through exercising the right to vote. Join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com votes to learn more. It is time for this week's edition of Ask a Nerd, and heading into week four, we pose the question to our own Matt Okada about some of the best fantasy performances put together by rookie wide receivers. Take a look. Thanks, Marcus. Here are the top five fantasy seasons by a rookie wide receiver in the Super Bowl era. Sailing into the number five slot, we have Buccaneers first round pick, Mike Evans. Evans had 12 touchdowns in his debut year, along with the first of six straight 1,000-yard seasons, a streak that is still active, in route to 245.1 fantasy points. Marching into the number four spot is Saints Phenom and last year's wide receiver one, Michael Thomas. Thomas had 255.7 fantasy points thanks primarily to his 92 catches, an early sign of a record-breaking future. Flying up to number three on our list is Anquan Bolden of the Arizona Cardinals. Bolden set and still holds the NFL record for receptions by a rookie. 
with 101, and in PPR, that was good for 282.7 fantasy points. Towering above all but one player, our number two receiver was a giant among giants, Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ crested 1,300 yards and scored 12 TDs to finish with 295 fantasy points as a rookie, and he did it in only 12 games. But our number one player conquered all these names and more, just like he conquered opposing DBs. Hall of Famer Randy Moss scored a rookie record 17 receiving touchdowns for the Vikings in 1998 to finish with 304.7 fantasy points and the top spot on our list. That's it for this week's dose of Ask a Nerd. I'm Matt Okada, and may the fantasy points be with you. Appreciate it as always, Matt. You know, I go back to that Randy Moss rookie year, and we talk about you know, players that get passed over, and the fact that so many teams uh, passed over Randy Moss is still mind-blowing to me uh to see the career he had to see the rookie season he had but the career in general is just mind-blowing uh it it is one of those things that i think will always live in nfl draft history but uh, hey worked out for the vikings for a while so we'll see uh speaking though of rookie wide receivers and what we have seen from the first year pass catchers so far through three weeks what changes if any have you made in terms of your rookie wide receiver rankings it's really hard to trust a lot of them right now. Like, I would trust C.D. Lamb still each week. It's looking like you could trust Jerry Judy. I, I'm boosting up Justin uh, Jefferson and T. Higgins. I, I was targeting them heavy off the waiver wire this week. But they they still haven't reached that range of, like, all right, I got to get these guys in my lineup each week. I think it's more right now a week-by-week week kind of based on the matchup. Jerry Judy, though, is one that I'm excited about. We see him on the screen right now. He's looking like... He's going to be the Broncos' number one target this year, so with Corden Sutton out. So I'm excited about him. I think he's kind of been a big riser these first couple of weeks. I, I Before the season was big on Justin Jefferson just because I felt like he was the guy sort of in the best situation. And you know, after his big game last week, he is the I think the leading scorer among rookie wide receivers. I should check that because it might be it might be Jerry Judy after uh, you know his his uh, touchdown last night. But Jefferson is certainly in the running for that. I, it does change though because with no Cortland Sutton there in Denver, that means a lot more responsibility falls on Judy's shoulders. So maybe he steps up a little bit. I think the highest ceiling overall probably still belongs to C.D. Lamb, but he's in a crowded situation we know having to share with Cooper, having to share with Gallup. So that sort of sort of caps his a little bit. I'm very interested to see what happens with Brandon Ayuk now that he's healthy and on the field because uh, I loved what Kyle Shanahan did with him last week. He got him 70 yards receiving, uh, but also used him as a runner three times. I mean, he scored his touchdown sort of on an end-around jet sweep sort of play uh, on a 19-yard run. It is very apparent that Kyle Shanahan has a plan for him. I think there's a reason the Niners traded up to go get Brandon Ayuk, surprising a lot of people. So I don't know that he necessarily is going to be the guy uh, long-term who, who has the best ceiling or maybe has even the highest ceiling. But I think he's going to be an interesting piece. And I do think that folks are still sort of sleeping on Brandon Ayuk uh, and, and not, uh, not going to get him just yet. I think that's going to change 
coming up in the next couple of weeks. So something to keep an eye on. We always love to see the first year guys show out. We certainly saw it in week three. Looking forward to seeing more of it as the season goes along. In the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence in society. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.